What's in a name? Hello, this is Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. with a word about your name and rank. If you are a young officer aspiring to a military career, you'll be interested to note that the Army created the title of Brigadier General for Commanders of Brigades, which is the next grouping above a regiment. But whether or not you become a Brigadier General, if your name is William, it is interpreted as one who is a resolute protector and was especially popularized in England by William the Conqueror. What's in a name? Plenty. Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring excerpts from some great comedy shows, including The Grouch Club, The Milton Berle Show, and the popular BBC series, The Goon Show. In the 40s, there was a program that outranked most others for sheer comedy. It was called The Grouch Club, and it was a Sunday afternoon feature on KFWB here in Los Angeles. Here's an excerpt from the show of February 21st, 1940. Hey, you fathead, why don't you look where you're driving? You cut me out, you twizzle Hey, you mugs, keep moving. What's up? Two bonehead drivers, some of them are worse than women. And what's wrong with women drivers? It's the Grouch Club with Wilbur Hatch in the orchestra, Beth Wilson, Willoughby, Mary Milford, and the little man, Arthur Q. Bryan. And here is your Grouch Master, Jack Lescooley. Hello, Grouches. Well, mice. gentlemen, to all of you happy people who still think there's joy in living, it's fallen on my shoulders to break the bad news. The Grouch Club is back on the air. The Grouch Club is an organization for all beefers, kickers, pessimists, so forth, who believe that every dark cloud has a lining, and it's even darker. If you're a real grouch and ostracized by friends and society because of it, this is your refuge. But if you still enjoy life and feel optimistic about the whole thing, stick around and be merry, even if the Grouch Club is back on the air. Just relax and settle back into that old sour feeling as another Grouch Club meeting is called to order. <laughs> Members will introduce our distinguished Grouch of the evening. He is a leader in the music world. It is an honor to present that eminent symphony conductor, Leopold Kretowski. His Grouch is that people no longer listen to good music. Meet the great Kretowski. <laughs> Greetings, Grouch Club. Mr. Kretowski? Oh, just call me Weo. 
Leo, what is the personnel of a symphony orchestra? Well, conductor, a swing section, a brass section, a woodwind section, and a railroad detective. <laughs> a railroad detective? Yeah, to keep out the oboes. <laughs> That's my own with a joke. Yeah. No wonder you guys have trouble keeping a sponsor. I, I suppose, Maestro, that from the very first you had a desire to be a conductor. Oh, yes. My mother was frightened by a motorman. <laughs> uh, what was your first musical achievement? Well, during the war, when I was still a young squirt, uh, young student at the conservatory, I wrote a concerto called Marching Feet. Well, what did the critics say about your marching feet? Very corny. <laughs> I, I don't suppose your career began with a big symphony orchestra. Oh, no. For a long time, I just fiddled around the house. <laughs> then I joined a cello ensemble. I played second cello. And what were the other cellos? Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, lemon, and wine. <laughs> Look, maestro, do you think swing music could ever be blended with the classics? Mr. Wiscoey, could you imagine Nino Martini singing Luigi Pagliaccio? We the Akasaki with a boy, boy. <laughs> so, uh, so it's your contention, maestro, that the present harmonic manifestations of modern lyricism and symphonic composition, which in the aggregate can be called swing music, can and never will influence the old classics. Yeah, man. <laughs> So you, maestro, are one man who could never be persuaded to lead a swing band. Oh, I would love to lead a swing band. Oh, the maestro is jesting. <laughs> the maestro is hungry. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you very much, Leopold. I, 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 I suppose we, uh, we will see you here in Hollywood this summer conducting the famous symphonies under the stars at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, not after what happened to me there last year. No, no, I was conducting my own modernized streamlined version of William Tell. Mm -hmm. I called it Bill the Stool Pigeon. <laughs> you see, I direct only with my hands. Idiosyncrasy, you know. <laughs> I waved at the violins, and they went out. I waved at the brass, and they went out. I waved at the piccolo player, and he waved back at me. <laughs> Mr. Wiscoey, I got carried away with the music, washed my head, and waved at a bond in the fourth row, and she went out. <laughs> she came back with a policeman. <laughs> it was a pinch. Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. Since then, in Hollywood, Mr. Wiscoey, I have washed my hands of the bowl. <laughs> um, Maestro, we've heard so much of your work. Could you, well, would you favor us with one of your shorter symphonies now? Use the orchestra. Gladly. Uh, one side, Corny. What was that? That was my original ending to Schubert's Unfinished Symphony. <laughs> Thank you. For my money, Milton Burl is one of the funniest comedians living. In the 50s, he was known as Mr. Television, and it's reported that he sold more TV sets than any other person just so the family could sit home Tuesday nights and watch the Texaco Star Theater show. Before TV, Uncle Milty was also a very big radio star. Here's an excerpt from his show in 1947. Now, ladies and gentlemen, as our surprise guest, 
exactly 20 years ago tonight, a young couple was married. And we have with us tonight this bridegroom of yesteryear. Today, a veteran of 20 years of married life, an inspiration to all you new newlyweds, Mr. Fenton Featherfield. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Featherfield. Thank you, Mr. Burrow. <laughs> it is indeed an honor to be selected by you as an example of what 20 years of married life can do to a man. And now, Mr. Featherfield... Excuse me, Mr. Burrow. Do you mind if I sit down? You do look tired, Mr. Featherfield. On the way over here, I picked a caterpillar up off the sidewalk. I think I strain myself. But uh, a caterpillar isn't heavy. This one had just eaten. But tell us, Mr. Featherfield, is your wife in good health? Oh, yes. Discouraging, isn't it? Mr. Featherfield, what is your advice? What is your advice to the young bridegroom? He must be brave. He must be the boss and make his wife tow the mark. I see. And after 20 years, is your wife towing the mark? Yes. <laughs> When we're alone, I'll show you where the mark is. <laughs> Mr. Featherfield, you mean to say that your wife beats you? Well, now, don't get me wrong, Mr. Burrell. When Peach Fuzz... Peach Fuzz. That's my wife. Oh, I see. <laughs> when Peach Fuzz shellacked me last night, I had it coming. Mm, you were bad again? <laughs> <laughs> You are, huh? She caught me with the light on in my room after 8 o'clock. Oh, I see. <laughs> Mr. Featherfield, before you leave, tell us, you've been married 20 years. If you had it to do all over again, what would you do? I'd cut my throat. Thank you very much. The BBC, that's the British Broadcasting Corporation, provides news, music, and entertainment to listeners around the world. And they do it with such great style and with such great charm. When I was in London in June 1965, I recorded this station break announcement from the BBC. There's any amount of good listening on the light this evening. At 7.31, we set out on overland patrol with another thrilling story set in the Northern Territory of Australia. This week, the first rains of the wet season strand Maudi Strang at the abandoned gold mine at Chinaman's Creek. And where there's a hint of gold, men will fight over it. Then at 8 o'clock, Richard Bryars as George Starling and Prunella Scales as Kate set out on yet another erratic session on the marriage lines. At 8.40, any questions, in which tonight, Lord Boothby, Mary Stocks, Russell Braddon and Edgar Lustgarten discuss anything and everything. That's any questions at 8.40. Then at half past nine, Friday night is music night. Sidney Torch conducts the BBC Concert Orchestra and Jimmy Kingsbury introduces the programme. It's seven o'clock and this is Brian Martin with the news and Radio Newsreel. Well, that's a BBC. Don't they sound proper? You know, it isn't always that way, and many of their comedy shows are classics. Did you know that in the 50s, motion picture comedian Peter Sellers did a regular weekly program on the BBC? The name of the program was The Goon Show, and it starred the four zanies Peter Sellers, Harry Seacombe, Spike Mulligan, and Michael Benteen. Here's an excerpt from The Goon Show of February 7th, 1956. Where are we going to stay in France? Ah, uh. 
I've made arrangements with one of the French governments for our prison to be the <laughs> guest of the Chateau d'If, the historic Gallic penitentiary. Well, I must say it all sounds very attractive indeed. Yes. Yes. I'll agree to it. Good. Then unchain our visas and we'll all be off. Get up there. Get up there. It was a wonderful experience to be jogging along the Queen's Highway in one of Her Majesty's prisons on this fine morning. <laughs> Get up there! La Gypsy am I, I travel around, who cares? The lark in the sky, to bid you goodbye, I travel around, I'm I! <laughs> you silly, twisted governor. in prison diary, February the 2nd, at sea. <laughs> Coast of France visible through the bars of F-block. Uh, good morning, uh, Captain Seagull. Good morning. Wait a minute. You are not one of my convicts. No, 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 I must stir away. Well, you'll have to get off. You'll have to get off. Stop the prison! On your left side now! On your left side now! Don't, don't stop it just for me. I'm not complaining, old man. I that's mean, not I'm... the point. That's not the yeah, point. I know, but I mean, I'm we not. We are full up. Look here, we are full up. We've uh, a maximum complement of convicts. 2,183. What, 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 what? 2,182, if you don't mind. One was drowned this morning. Drowned? How? Poor lad, he tried to tunnel his way out. <laughs> well, very well, you can have his cell. That'll be three shillings, please. There you are. Three shillings in kosher margarine. Good. I'll spread it on my checkbook at once. I wonder why this man wants to join our prison. Little does he know that I have reason to believe that the Chateau d'If contains the clue to the treasure of the Count of Monte Cristo. Finished? Yes. Right. <laughs> Little does Bloodnock know that I also know that the Chateau d'If contains the clue to a treasure. Do you mind? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Little do either of these Charlies know. I plan this whole move to bring down our prison and bring it into direct contact with the Chateau d'If precisely to obtain the clue to the aforementioned treasure. Little do they know. Finished? Yes. <laughs> Great heavily whispered asides. Little do they know how little I know about the little they know. If only I knew about the little that they know, I'd know a little. <laughs> I'll have to keep my little ears open, you know. Oh... <gasps> of long, boring aside. <laughs> oh, land ahead! I should have said that sooner, shouldn't I? <laughs> Messieurs les prisonniers anglais, soyez les bienvenus. Welcome to the Chateau d'If. Oh, what an honor! It is none other than Wallace Greenslade playing the part of the French prefect of police and playing it very badly. <laughs> don't, don't give me away. It was this or making tea for John Snag. <laughs> Thank you and goodbye. And so began a happy day at the Chateau d'If. By evening, each convict had dismantled his old cell 
carried the bricks into the chateau, wrapped in brown paper and labelled accordingly, donned the traditional French convict's red, white and blue trousers, and waltzed the whole night through. Neddy, you look divine. Might I have the next dance? I'm sorry, I promised it was 924378. Oh, but he's in solitary. Then you have to dance by himself. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good evening, Mr. Governor. Hello, Mike. What? The prisoners want the band to play a special request. What? Unchained melody. <laughs> Tales of Old Dartmoor, Part 3. That night, in the deepest dungeon of the Chateau d'If, two figures are at work. Oh, dropped it. Tippity, look. Here it is. A black box. The box noir. Yes. Lift it out and unroll it. Oh! Just as I anticipated. What? I don't know what it is. <laughs> Wait. It's an old, long-playing white cylinder gramophone record. Then play it. But there's no gramophone. Well, we must dig for one. Right. <laughs> Got it. Put it on. It doesn't fit me at all. <laughs> then play it. Very well. Here goes. This record is a clue to the treasure of Monte Cristo. Go to the prison yard where you will find, wrapped up in brown paper parcels, another prison. Reassemble it, and you will find the treasure buried under the floor of cell number 626 in Ooh. the basement. Good, good. Sapristi. Come on, Moriarty, and we'll get... Get my dreadful news! What? Our holiday's over, and somebody's sold in all the bricks of our prison. What's more, it was to a sail home tomorrow with a tide. <laughs> We're homeless. Yes, and somebody's found out about the treasure. Come on, now. Who's hiding our prison? Hands up, all those who know anything about this! Me and Nickers know where he's gone, Captain. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> Splendid, lads. Tell me where it is and I'll reduce your sentence from two years to four. <laughs> well, it uh, went, um... Thinks. Where did it went? It went it um Eccles. Oh. Do you remember Eccles? Oh yeah, I remember Eccles. <laughs> well, does he know where it went it? I'll ask him. <clears throat> Do you know where it went? What does he say, Eccles? <laughs> he hasn't answered yet, I think he's out. <laughs> What bad luck. Not bad luck. Bad, yes, bad what luck. bad luck. What bad luck. Shut up, Eccles. Shut up, Eccles. We can't wait for him to come back. We'll have to give chase in the Shadow Deep. All hands on deck. Cast off. Must be nice. And Eccles. Yep. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. to the rock saying we've only borrowed the Shadow temporarily. I thought it was a Shadow Deep. No. It's the shadow temporarily. <laughs> We're in disguise. Oh. Mr. Christian, yes. it's all cheese to all hands. Cast Timmy to the wind and unlatch the keel. Burn him, Mouser.
of the French prison Chateau d'If. At sea. <laughs> no sign yet of Her Majesty's prison Dartmoor. Prison on the starboard bow. It might be the Dartmoor. Get my telescope out of its cell. Thank you. By God, yes, it is. It's a pretty, yes. Look at that flag. It's flying the skull and crossbone. Wrong. It's a photograph of David Nixon with his arms folded. <laughs> He's even cold. Well, don't stand there. Heave two back at him. <laughs> He's open fire. Duck. Why? There's a cannonball coming. Right. I'll see you after the ball is over. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Stricken. <laughs> Great Scott, they're closing in. Stand by to repel borders. How do you repel borders? Stop changing the bed linen. <laughs> Look out, they're coming alongside. Right then, canvas is out, board hard! Come on, Moriarty. While they're all occupied, let's go down and get the treasure. Now remember, it's under the floor of cell number 626. Quick, down these stairs. Here it is. Cell 626. Yes, so Christina Bowlers, whatever's under this floor is all ours. Yes. Lift. It's water. Salt water. Let me taste it. All right. It's the Atlantic Ocean. We're rich. We're rich. Look, there's more of it there. Look, it's all coming in. Stop, you fool. We're sinking. And that, dear listeners, is why the Dartmoor we know today is only a cardboard replica. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. And here's a thought to remember. All sailors and Marines on leave are eligible for reduced fare overland bus travel. If they are in uniform and have their leave or liberty papers, official duty transfer orders, or are returning home from discharge, ask about furlough fares at the ticket office. You know, there's one thing that applies in this business more than any other, and that's the wide range of friends you meet. You might work on a radio or TV show with someone for 13 weeks and not see them again for over a year. Believe it or not, in 1950, I worked on a radio show with Johnny Grant, and, and although I don't see him too often, it's always fun to kibitz whenever he's here at AFRTS doing his show. Which brings me to this point. The golden days of radio with this program concludes another cycle in a seemingly never-ending supply of old radio shows. For the past 91 programs, there's been one person responsible for the production guidance and even the censorship. That's my producer, Bruce Wendell. For 91 shows, he's endured the onslaught of comedians and singers, newscasters and dramatic actors, and he's made them all work. And most importantly, he's made me sound a lot better. Thank you, Bruce. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you back again for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service. <laughs>